Hey everybody, we got Paul and Brittany here. We're the Tuckers. Um, we're going to be starting a 16-part series. Um, things that can help a relationship. Not just marriage, but hopefully relationships with the goal of marriage. And things that we've been through. Um, uh, things that have helped us. And what the Bible says about it. Uh, Brittany's going to bring in the research because that's what she does. And um, hopefully you all can get something out of this. Uh, the first part is going to be a two-part series. But we'll have 16 total. Anything to say? I think you covered it all. All right, well, let's get into it. Welcome to the Wisdom for Warriors podcast. On this episode, we'll be covering the first two parts of the series, Love Is. Welcome back, everybody. We're uh, starting off a series. By we, I mean myself and my brilliant wife, Brittany. Say hi, Brittany. Hello. She loves when I call her Brittany. Uh, I can't say that. But she'll call me Brittany. Or she'll call me. <laughs> I'm Brittany. She's Paul. No, she'll call me. You're Paul. Yeah. I know the thing. I said it. Come on, man. Uh, she'll say something like, Paul, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll be like, Brittany, blah, blah, blah. She's like, don't call me Brittany. And I'm like, don't call me Paul. Oh, my name is Babe. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so, uh, as I was saying, we're starting off a 16-part um, series about relationships and what some of what it talks about in the Bible about all that um really 15 parts because we were supposed to start last week we had some technical difficulties so we're squishing together oh, is that the doing? first two okay yeah so this is part one and two part one and two the director aka Brittany, didn't tell me that until just now so okay we're gonna go with it <laughs> so it's a 16 part in a series in a 15 episode how about that yes <laughs> so to set the stage biblically speaking love um is well so there like paul likes to say there are meanings for numbers in the bible and the number 16 carries the meaning of love and it's like God created everything because the one scripture that we talk about consistently, like you hear in every single wedding, the first Corinthians uh, scripture where it says love is patient, love is kind, all that stuff. We had found out just doing some basic research that there are 16 characteristics, attributes of love that God describes. So the number 16 means love. And there's 16 ways to describe love. Yeah, and the idea um, came to us uh, both at like the same time. We were working out at the gym. Uh, she was in one room. I was in a different room. I think we were a little at, at odds at that point. But um, we both pretty much text each other at the same time, pitching pretty much the same idea. And... Um, so that's where that started, and then we we did the math. Not that this has anything to do with the Bible, but uh, at the end of sixteen weeks, from when we decided to do this, 
um, lands on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Smackdown Day. on Valentine's Day. And that's, that was the weirdest thing. When we were texting each other at the same time, we texted each other essentially that, which was 16 weeks from now, it's going to be Valentine's Day, which is known as the end of cuffing season. And cuffing season normally starts around October, ends on Valentine's Day, and it's a time when single people want to be, they want to be hitched because it's holidays, it's cold, people want to be in relationships. And, you know, in the secular world, if you don't have a biblical view of love and relationships, sometimes you can get into those relationships for the wrong reasons, do it the wrong way. And so there's a lot of pastors that have taken advantage of that and taught really good sermons on love and what biblical relationship looks like. Yeah. So, um, forgive me. My voice is a little off. I've been sick for about the best best. I can't speak either uh-huh. the last week. <clears throat> um, but we're going to power through this uh, episode yeah. involving two sections. Yeah. So, so to go, to go back to the original scripture, first Corinthians in first Corinthians, like I said, the classic piece of scripture that nearly every officiant is going to cite at a wedding. And it actually, I think, <laughs> um, didn't your, didn't Ryan, he, he quoted that in our wedding too. Now that I think of that. I don't recall. I think. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> So in this, in this passage of scripture, Paul in the Bible is talking about love. And I'm sure most of you have heard there are different forms of love that God speaks of. There's a love that is talking about sexual desire. There's a love that's brotherly love like you would have between friends. And then there's this other love called agape love, which is more of a, a, a selfless putting yourself last and other people first type of love. And when he's talking about it, he's talking about the complete antithetical way of the way that we think about love in current culture, which is we think of love as being an emotion. Love is a feeling, which is why love can be fleeting, which is why people get divorced because they fall out of love. If they don't have the biblical definition of what love is, which is not an emotion, but an action, you can see why people come into issue with marriage. And so Paul's talking about this agape love, this selfless love that is talking about not, not about m- emotion, but what we should or shouldn't do to properly love someone or demonstrate love to someone. And so these 16 things that we're going to talk about are action items, not descriptors of emotion. The first one being love is patient Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) it's funny because when we were coming up with with this whole idea and thinking about talking about it i really feel like either god was challenging us or satan was tempting us and we definitely had some moments where patience was challenged and it was brought to the surface but the bible oftentimes will talk about um patience and there are different translations of the bible and me and paul are really interested in looking at the different translations and seeing what all the translations have to say knowing of course that the closer you can get to the king james king james version the more true you'll get to the emotional depth 
and meaning of the original scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so although one in most versions will say love is patient, the new King James version takes a little deeper and it says love suffers long. There's other versions that also talk about long suffering too, but I think to me, suffering long sounds so much more dramatic and kind of like you don't want to do it. Like nobody wants to suffer, <laughs> right? What does that make you think of? <laughs> yeah. If they would, uh, <laughs> if your pastor before your wedding is like, yeah, so I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about love suffering long. It might, might turn some people away, right? Yeah. Like you're getting ready for marriage. It's going to be beautiful. There's going to be butterflies and you're going to have to suffer mm -hmm. a very long time. Yeah. yeah. So suffering long, I think, carries a lot more weight to it. When you talk about suffering, suffering, in other words, means to tolerate. And I don't think it's tolerance in the way that we describe tolerance today, but tolerance in that you are allowing somebody else to be who they are, act who they are, all of that stuff, even if it rubs you the wrong way, without interfering them yeah. with them. So these are things as, as small as little idiosyncrasies that they have, little quirks, little whatever, all the way up to big behaviors, I would think, or big actions. And so you are essentially dealing with that stuff and you're doing it with grace. That's the idea is that I think anybody can deal with something, but react poorly. But the way that God is wanting us to handle this is to accept it, not be reactive and then be gracious enough to love that person still. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely one of those ones that, is is easier said than done. Um, it comes with a lot of maturity, and uh, we have both definitely grown in patience with our love. And you know, it's the first one that is talked about, and <clears throat> I think that's so important. It can there's so much such a vast thing of um, or vast, you know, spread of things that patients can fall under, right? You know, like you said, corks, little things like that. It may be something that needs to be uh, addressed. Um, and there's other things like, uh, you know, you, <laughs> different little, different things that we've, uh, curved on each other. Usually it's me making the corrections of myself because it annoys you or whatever, but like, uh, <clears throat> I think you've been pretty patient with those things, but, uh, you know, like closing drawers. And I think that's just a man thing, but, um, you're definitely patient with my ADHD and all that. Cause the squirrels are real. Yeah. I, so I want to park it there really quick, just as an example because I want to tie this into some other scripture that I love. And I mention often, like one of my favorite scriptures, Romans chapter five, three to five, verse three to five. And like, so park it really quick on the, the ADHD squirrel moments. When Paul 
has his squirrel moments. And if you know anybody with ADHD, it is the most amazing thing to watch because it seems like they can juggle like 15 things at once. I call it multitasking. But my science brain knows that multitasking is not a thing. It's called (laughs) task switching, meaning you can only do one thing 100% of you with 100% of your attention. Anyway, so he'll do these 15 things at once, but I'll walk around him or walk around our space when we're doing it. And he left a cabinet open and he left the faucet running and he left all of this other stuff, which I've, I've grown to be okay with, but it's just so interesting to watch. And it requires a whole lot of patience because taking this small scale to a bigger scale, sometimes we both have the same mentality where we start projects and we never finish them, but because mm. we want so bad to do so many things that we never get anything finished. Mm. But to tie that back to what I was saying, there's this scripture in Romans that says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy spirit who has given, who's been given to us. What that makes me think of in this situation, the specific ADHD squirrel situation, I, I have had to have a little bit of patience. I've had to have, had to suffer long because at the end of the day, you sort of have to accept the person for who they are, which goes back to the original conversation where you're tolerating the other person. And when you can do that, like the scripture says, when you can suffer long, when you rejoice in your sufferings, which again, carries that convert that connotation where it's, I'm not suffering and just being miserable, but I am enjoying that person for who they they are and sort of chuckling at it. That suffering is going to produce endurance. So in my being okay and tolerating Paul for his little ADHD moments, I'm able to endure through some of these, these moments and through some of the bigger scale moments, like we talked about with those projects, which I think I've gotten a little bit better with too. And then when you get endurance, when you can endure things, your character changes. So your moral compass starts to change because when you can tolerate things, when you have endurance through these things, it, you are a manifestation of the Holy spirit and the Holy spirit is what gives you your moral compass. That is sort of your baseline. That's your, um, what you're normalizing everything to. And so your character is going to come from that. And then when you have character, when you have a moral compass, it produces hope in the future. So even though going back to the beginning, even though Paul has these squirrely moments and I do too, for the most part, I can suffer through that with some glee. I can have endurance. Then I can have character or moral compass. Then I can have hope for the future and knowing that even in these little moments or these big moments, sometimes we're going to be okay down the road we're going to be taken care of and so i know that that's the promise that god gives us if we are obedient and rejoicing in our sufferings and suffering long yeah that's good excuse me and Speaking of the Holy Spirit too, the scripture says that one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is patience. Mm. 
-hmm. is suffering long. And when we talk about fruits of the Holy Spirit, we have to know that the fruits of the Holy Spirit are only there if we are obedient and in relationship to God. That's how we cultivate the fruits of the Spirit. And so I can feel, I can literally feel when I go through the day-to-day Like right now, I'm really heavy into my career and getting stuff done. And because of that, my time with God sometimes gets pushed to the side. And because of that, I come home and I'm less patient. I'm not as apt to suffer long. And I think our relationship has some... Yeah, on that, I've had to definitely be patient here and I've... um since the new semester started and you're getting pretty heavy into trying to get these grants going and all those things. And, um, I've had to be patient, but also set bounce some boundaries because it was taking away, uh, you'd come home and continue to work and it was taken away from our time. And, um, you know, I was patient at first, but then I was like, all right, babe, I'm here. Like, put your computer down. Yeah. No, he he did surprise me in his ability and thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit being so active in Paul and being able to be patient and suffer long because I know I, I ain't no princess when I'm in those eye on the prize, work hard, sacrifice everything to get something moments. And so I think you've been really good with suffering long. And that's always that's always helpful. Yeah. You're so much more mature than I am sometimes. It's funny. Y'all I heard it. <laughs> well, I went into this relationship thinking that I had a good spiritual background. And I think a large part of it that I'm coming to realize and I really have been realizing is that I had the head knowledge of faith. I think I still do. I'm learning it. But sometimes it takes my heart a long time to catch up. Mm. And I think that's in some part due to a lack of relationship with God. And I get to see all the time how much more mature your faith is than mine. In situations that require you to have patience, like the way that Paul is calling us to have patience. And so it is good for me to see that because it pushes me to want to be like, dang, I need to get on that Holy Spirit level. (laughs) I need to be better because I want to be better for for Paul. So, yeah, and that, but you know, and the patience on my end too is, you know, sometimes you're like, you know, I'm sorry that I'm not on the level with you or whatever, and it, you know, we're supposed to be yo- evenly yoked, but I also have to build you up and help help get you there. And I know it's not, you know, some of these things I've been working on longer longer than you have, and some things vice versa. You been working out longer than I have and that's part of that patience too is you know we're made an image of God uh, uniquely for each of us and uh, we we work differently speak different languages and we hear differently and all those things I'm sure we'll hit on that later but um, you know having that patience with each other Knowing and but knowing that we're working on ourselves during that time. Yeah, it is good. And I think speaking of areas that I need to improve, I think 
it's easy to bypass some little moments of where patience hasn't shown through. And I think a lot of it for me has to deal with being able to bear offenses. God, God says scripturally that being offended is a choice. So it's an internal choice for you to be yeah. offended. And I am so easily offended, especially in my, my marriage. There would just be, you know, little, little things. Maybe Paul will joke around with me or something and I'll choose to be offended, which again, scripturally says that I'm not being patient because in being patient or I'm sorry, in bearing offense, you are being patient. And so I think that's a small area that maybe not a lot of people see, especially in this world where offense is everywhere. Everybody's offended. And if you're offended, you're choosing offense. And that means that you're not being patient with the other person. Like I think about, (laughs) I don't want to get too deep into this, but some of the trainings that I've been in at work where they talk about the, um, what is that called? The bias and implicit bias mm. or something like that, where maybe that you say something super innocent, like I like your hair and you say it to the wrong person and somebody just automatically gets offended. And in retrospect, that person that instead of getting offended could have just had patience and I guess could be interchangeably described as having grace or being gracious can be like, that person is a goodwilled person. I'm going to suffer along and recognize that that person probably didn't mean it as any kind of offense and we're going to move forward. Yeah. And you, you said the goodwill person, you know, that was one of the things we picked up in our studies. Um, having that patience, even there's moments, you know, where we don't see eye to eye, but at the end of the day, we got to look back and realize that our spouse, our significant other is a goodwill person. And unless they're really not into the marriage anymore, like they, they're doing things oftentimes what they think is, you know, best or what they think is right in their mind, they're entitled to their feelings, all those things. And you, you gotta be patient and uh always remember that they are a goodwill person yeah and if you do get offended i think part of the key is again not to be reactive not to repay or punish the person in some way for the offense and i think it's really easy to see repaying or punishing somebody for an offense as as literally just like snapping off or talking back or doing or or tit for tat. So if they do something, you do the same thing back, but sometimes repaying or punishing somebody that offends you can be as simple as stonewalling that person. And this is another area that I need to work on. So like if Paul were to offend me, sometimes instead of being mature and being like, babe, let's sit down. I want to talk about something. I'll just give him the silent treatment. I'll stonewall him or I'll be more, um, I guess like just not being as respectful as I normally am. Mm-hmm. Like I'll give you short answers and, and stuff like that. And so that's a big challenge, which is 
if you have patience, you're not going to easily get offended. And if you have patience, you're not going to retaliate in any way. So yeah. that's, that's really challenging. I'm sure we'll hit on some more of that in some of the, in the later uh, episodes. Yeah. Yep. And some of the last scriptures I don't want to talk about before getting into the research, the real good stuff mm-hmm. it is, uh, is I love this one from Proverbs 1911, a person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. And I think that gives me so much hope because it's essentially saying that the wiser that you are, the more patient you become. And that you look at anybody that's most people, unless it's like a grumpy old man or something like that, but but, (laughs) grumpy old men are my favorite, but most older people have this patient patientness about them so they can tolerate things for longer and i know that even though i'm not the most patient and i'm not willing to suffer long in some ways that with with age and with my continued walk with the lord that when i gain wisdom later in life hopefully that will result in patience one thing with with that i do caution um just because they're older than you does not always mean they're the wisest um there are a lot of i've come across people that think because they're older that they are wiser um and sometimes they're what they have to say is is you know not, not what the Bible has, has to say about things. Uh, sometimes it's just downright yeah. ignorant. Um, so just be uh, caution things, uh, you know, who you seek, seek counsel in. Mm-hmm. And yeah. always, anytime you, you, you know, <clears throat> get counsel from anybody, you know, you can always verify it, um, talk to somebody else about it because – there is a lot of a lot of great wisdom out there, but sometimes just because they're uh, they they think they're wise, they can be arrogant, and like I said, um, ignorant as well. Yeah, and if it doesn't point back to God or Scripture, I think I literally think God in some way I can't remember actual Scripture, but He calls you a fool if you're seeking counsel from somebody that's not yeah doesn't love God or something like that, or it's foolish to do that. I think it's foolish to listen to a fool is what it says. Yeah. So. So don't do that. With that. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, probably a topic for another conversation, but thinking about therapy and all that stuff, if it's not Christian centered, I probably arguing against that. Anyway. So, so scripture is one thing. I think we forgot a piece in the beginning, which is in each of these weeks, we're planning to talk about each of the, 16 ways that love is described in first Corinthians. And we're doing that in three parts. The first of which being what scripture says about it. So we'll, we'll break down a little bit. I mean, neither of us are biblical scholars, so we don't know Greek language and blah, blah, blah. We're, we're definitely not Greek scholars, Euro, but (laughs) euros are good, but Um... we do know how to look into the Bible and find out where things can be and so we want to talk through and break down some scripture in the first part and the second part we'll talk about what research has to say 
about what God has created. And I love this conversation, y'all. If you don't know. All right, I'll be back. <laughs> if you don't know, I, I do research at a university, a local university here. It's it's in pregnancy and exercise. But when you're a researcher, you have a researcher brain for just about everything. Like you want to dig in and find answers to things. And so I love looking at science as a way to validate God's creation. Mm. In other words, and take something as simple as marriage. God created marriage. He created man and woman. He said, marriage is a holy union between one man and one woman, nothing else. And that's that. When you look at research, research validates and, and confirms that a marriage union between one man and one woman is the best situation that that man, that woman, and any kids that they have and their extended family, et cetera, are going to have for a successful relationship. And you look at nearly any outcome. So research confirms and validates and proves that what God made is good. And so I wanted to take a deeper dive into each of these 16 traits to see what research says about how that action, I should say, how that action benefits marriage. And then the last part would be sort of a blend, blending into both of those where, where we'll talk about what may challenge us and where we've seen this and where we see our growth in our marriage so that we can get to everybody else's level. Like I said, we're no, we're no scholars and we want to make sure that everybody understands that we're just as human and finite as everybody else. And so we really want to be transparent with some areas that we struggle with. And so the next section being research, we'll go through this pretty quick because we do have to cover another, another area of kindness, but there, there weren't too many studies with patients, but what, uh, where there were it's some pretty juicy stuff. So there was a study from Italy that showed that patients might improve your day-to-day -day interaction between you and your spouse. And then that is going to lead to a positive effect on how long you're married. And some of these points you're like, well, duh. But again, research is validating what God has created. So the more patient you are, the more long suffering that you are, it's going to improve how you interact with your spouse. And then that's going to improve the longevity of your marriage. So if I'm able, able to suffer along with Paul, um, <laughs> for Paul, <laughs> my love, then we're going to be able to interact better. And then it's going to impact our marriage more. And, um, the more patient that you are, the study also found, the more inclined you are to sustain anything that immediately happens that's bad. And it'll also allow you to wait a little bit longer for improvement. So for example, if something traumatic happened in your, in your relationship, like you had a loss of a family member, there was infidelity, there was financial problems, something like that. More patient people are more inclined to sustain and, and truck through those issues and then also wait for the relationship to improve. And I yeah. think that sounds so easy, but in today's day and age where we literally don't have the ability to do that because 
divorce and other things are an option, it's really important to highlight. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, I know we've heard, you know, in the different marriage retreats and all these different things we've been to, seen a lot of relationships that were like on the brink of divorce. Um, I know I've heard of a few where infidelity was a, uh, a factor and the, the one that I'm thinking of right now, the woman was extremely patient. She suffered long. She wanted the relationship to work. And that is a huge maturity thing. That is like, you know, that that's one of those things. You know, as far as finances and stuff, you can make more money and figure those out. But like something like that, that can really cut deep. And that's like the definition of suffering long and something like yeah. that. And, um, you know, there's there's going to be things, there's going to be hurdles, there's going to be things that um, you're going to come across. But the patience will just, like you're saying right here, like it, it it will help. And I, I feel like, you know, we've only been married a little over a year now. And it feels like a lot longer. It feels like a duck. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <clears throat> no, I, um, I feel like our patience has grown. And, like, I feel uh, the more we get into each of these these topics, like, it's going to be more evident to us um, in yeah. our relationship. You know, some, you know, some of the stuff you don't think about all the time, right? Like, it's just part of our day to day. It's just part of who we are. It's part of our relationship. But um, I can definitely see, like, as we're talking about this, I'm like, yeah, we we are definitely more patient than we were when we first met. Hmm. Um, in different things, you know, new things come up, and we're we learn to be patient. And there's still some things that we're working on, and that's okay because, yeah, you know, that's marriage is is going to go through phases. You know, it's it's going to have its ups and downs, hills and valleys, whatever you want to call it. But having that patience and remembering that your wife, your husband, is a good real person at the end of it uh, will really help you suffer along. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you were talking, I was thinking, too, when you're suffering long, the idea is that you're posturing yourself to look more toward God than you're looking toward your partner. And so if your energy is directed toward your relationship with God, it's not directed toward how annoying that other person is or any what offense or, or any <laughs> offense that they've given you. I need to practice this a whole lot because it is so easy for my OCD brain to focus hard on an offense or on something bad or on something else rather than me putting my eyes, fixing my eyes, fixing my gaze up toward God, which I feel like would help in this situation because when you do that, then the fruits of the Holy Spirit start blooming and then patience comes, kindness comes, all that stuff. So anyway, there was another study too that talked about protective factors of marital stability in long-term marriage globally. It's a review of a whole bunch of studies. And they talked about how some of the there, there were some intrapersonal, I-N-T-R-A, personal components or factors that influenced marital stability. And this is how these, these factors, these components are how um, 
when you focus on differences in personality between two people. And what it was saying is that patience was there. So in some way they were concluding that if there's a large difference or disparity in patience between one partner and the other, that can impact marital, marital stability. So this to me made me think of that equally yoked thing. Yeah. Because in theory, if you are in theory and practice, sometimes it's different because everybody is so seasonal with where they are and their walk. But in theory, if you're both in your walk, then you should both be in communication with God. Your Holy spirit is doing its thing. You're the fruits of the spirit are flourishing and you're both manifesting patience. Mm -hmm. And like this research is saying, if both of you are patient, you're going to likely have more marital stability. If there is a dissonance in faith walk, like if one person is not walking with the Lord, then it's likely that they're going to be less patient because of all of that. And when there's that discrepancy between somebody that's patient and somebody that's less patient, then that can definitely cause issues affecting marital stability. Yeah. That's another thing I, um, I know I've heard of in relationships and different things and, um, you've got to be on the same page, at least in the same chapter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've heard of relationships out there where going to different churches, like husband and wife going to different churches, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. Um, I know we are trying to get through the Bible in a year right now. Where are you at on that? <laughs> Accountability. You need to catch up. Yeah, I'm about, I'm a couple days behind myself, but um, you know, it's what it's doing devotionals together, doing studies together will help uh, do that. That's something we before we even got far into the relationship, we were talking about, or we were doing devotionals. You know, we were doing them over uh, Facetime. Yeah. So things like that, um, gonna help keep you yoked. For sure. Which is then going to help with fruits of spirit like patience. Patience. Keeping you guys on the same level. So, so that was patience. I think some of the main takeaways is that it really is suffering long. And when you're suffering long, your eyes are on God and not your partner. And when you do that, it's going to build endurance and character and hope for your marriage. So if you can have that relationship with God... You can see how you're then creating all those things and you can have hope for your marriage. You're going to be so much more likely to hope for God's promise of a successful marriage. Let me say, I think you're going to be so much more likely to be, to have longevity in your relationship Yeah. and research says so too. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is kindness this is number two of 16. love is kind love is kind and if we if we go to the basic webster's definition of kind or kindness it's having or showing a friendly generous and considerate nature so you're being friendly you're generous you're considerate and these things are a steadfast practice meaning they're unwavering. So you're not, for example, kind to your spouse one day and then like 
completely the opposite the next day. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Which I think I think is is so important. Biblically, it, it's got the same flavor, but of course it's got a God spin on it. Biblically, kindness is selfless. So when you I when I was doing research into this, everything that I looked at with kindness, it sort of had the same definition or flair as graciousness, which is putting another person in front of you. So it's selfless, it's compassionate and merciful. Mercy was another thing that kept coming up. Um, and biblically speaking, this kindness is shown a whole lot when either God or somebody else gives it, gives kindness to enemies or the least of these. So, you know, homeless and poor yeah. people and all of that. And not to say that obviously our, our spouse is our enemy or they're the least of these, but sometimes, and we say, we say this often, sometimes you treat your relationship like they are the enemy. And so, yeah, and that's one of those things you got to remember and take a step back, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, they are a goodwill person. They're not the enemy. That's that's no matter what's going on in your relationship. I mean, for some relationships, they, pro they probably are the enemy. And you just need to get out. But hopefully it's before you've said I do. Um, but in the marriage principle, they're not your enemy. You know, you two have become one. You need to be patient um, and kind and figure the things out. Sometimes, you know, you take a step back, separate, um, go into different rooms, cool off, tell each other. You know, sometimes we'll, like, hey, can we talk about this later? Which isn't always the easiest, but mm -hmm. it's the kind thing to do because sometimes in those moments, if you continue, it can go in a direction that uh, is more destructive than um, helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And in, and in doing that, you're being sensitive to the needs of the other person. So sensitive. Because, <laughs> because you're, especially when you communicate that you're definitely going to talk about it later, you're confirming that now is not the right time, but we are going to, we are going to speak about it. Yeah. That's something that, has been relatively newer mm -hmm. that we brought to the table and um well we so we had to a little personal thing i me and paul react to things differently he is very much avoidant for probably for a number of reasons like for good reasons and for bad reasons and i'm very much confrontational and i have some i have ocd that i've had my entire life and so when i focus on something, I focus on it and I want to talk about it right now. And so <clears throat> when we come into these conflicts, Paul, I think in an effort to not escalate the situation, which means he's trying to leave the physical space of the situation to protect me, protect the relationship. And sometimes in an effort to not confront some emotional uncomfortability he'll be avoidant. So he won't want to talk about it. I'll, I'll literally see him like busy himself with other things to avoid it. 
And then I, in my obsessiveness, want to talk about it. And if both of us, which is what Paul was saying, we both have learned in learning to be kind the way that love is, which is an action. Paul has learned to say, if it's really bad, something like, this is not the appropriate time. Let us cool off. Something like that. Let's take a little bit of space and we'll talk about it later. And then me, I, I sort of have to respect his decision, even as much, even though it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. So in being kind, I have to be respectful of those wishes. That's still a struggle to me, mm-hmm. especially, <laughs> especially if it happens at night before we go yeah. to bed. So I'm working on that. Yeah. Obviously the, <laughs> the, the Holy Spirit ain't growing too many fruits sometimes, but that's, that's what that is. And I, I always think it's cool just sort of switching gears. When you see Christians that are like, so walking in their faith, they have this inner disposition about them that is just kind, like they're smiling for no reason. Mm-hmm. They are giving of themselves literally for no reason. They're holding the door in front of in front of you an extra 15 seconds longer than normal people would until you caught up to get the door. Like they're just, they're being so kind because they're led by the Holy Spirit to put other people ahead of them. And it's always just so great. I, I love seeing that in other people, but, but that's also a journey too. It is. Christians don't just wake up, get baptized or get saved and (laughs) turn into that person. You know, it's a process. It is. And, um, I know my journey has been short, but I know I've grown a lot and I know it's helped with our relationship and continues to help with our relationship. Mm -hmm. I still have a lot of things I got to work on and, um, some of that kindness, not so much with us, but towards others, you know, having a military background right now with everything going on, it's a little, little struggle, but I am trying to stay out of it and, you know, love, love everybody and spread love. Because that's what Jesus calls us to do, mm-hmm. and that's that's one of my tough pills to swallow. Yep. But you know, you've shown me some of that that stuff, and I've, like I said, I'm growing in my maturity and everything, and that's part of it. Yeah. And going back to that whole, it's an action thing and not a feeling thing, because God calls us to, in some in always, I guess, to choose to act in the way that we should act and not always have to validate our emotions. Like in those situations where you get frustrated for whatever reason, you're feeling a certain way and it makes you act a certain way. But if you were operating in the Holy Spirit, you would choose kindness because kindness is it's beyond just being polite and letting somebody, you know, pass you. That's not supposed to be in the passing lane or something like that, (laughs) but it's kindness. It's kindness and um, doing stuff for others, even if it doesn't benefit ourselves. And I think that's the biggest thing. So 
doing stuff for your partner, even if it doesn't benefit you. Yeah. What what are some ways that you see that in our relationship from uh, either of us? That's, that's really selfless. And that, that can be, once you're married, um, you know, it's not a, it's not a business agreement. You know, it's not 50, 50, it's a hundred, a hundred. And you've been very selfless the last week. Cause I've been, I don't know what's going on with me, but I've been down and out <clears throat> almost a week. Just well, whatever this is, I haven't been able to kick it. And you've been, had to really step up and, you know, take care of the house, the chickens, the dogs. It's been, a, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a little bit of a trying week. Yeah. Um, but you selflessly step up and do that. And same thing, you know, when you're down and out, I step up mm-hmm. and do what I have to do because that's, it's not a, you take care of the dishes and dinner. I take care of the, the lawn and, you know, outside. That's not, it's a everybody do everybody thing here. Yeah. For us at yeah. least. He's being really gracious. I, I definitely did did step up and do some stuff, but I, I think I still struggle with not trying to do something for other people without it benefiting me in some way. So I think that's a, that's a heart issue for sure. But I love thinking about it like that and knowing that because that challenges me to do it without expecting anything back. And so, um, I think that's really good. And another good characteristic of kindness is not only being kind when the ability to be kind is presented to you, like holding the door for someone if you see them coming. Yeah. But it's... (laughs) I forgot to... Sorry. I forgot to tell you, I... Accidentally scared this old woman when we went to the post office today. Oh. She walked out completely unaware of her surroundings. I could have double legged her and she wouldn't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and she didn't see me until like I was like almost behind her. Yeah. She was oh <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to just be quiet and like get past her, but yeah. Like, Y'all see what I'm talking about with squirrels? Yep, see. <laughs> Squirrel. And I squirrels. am long suffering because normally that would have been like End of story. Close up shop. We're done this podcast because you just ruined my train of thought. But we're all good. That's it. Be this kind. Is good. <laughs> be, be patient. Be kind. So kindness is not only looking for opportunities as they present themselves to be kind, but it's searching for them. So in a marriage, you shouldn't just wait for your partner to be like, can you cook dinner for you to be kind enough to cook dinner? Maybe you take you do your loving part to take mental load off your partner and say, you know what? They just had a long day and they're probably going to come home and not want to do anything that requires mental stimulation. So let me go out of my way before they even ask me to cook dinner. And I'm going to search for a way to be kind for them, like cooking dinner, like getting stuff together for them and all of that stuff. And I think what a way to show love because I feel like that's what God does for us all the time. You know, we, sometimes we don't ask him to be kind and to be loving to us. He is 
gracious and merciful to do it by himself without us asking. Yeah. So everything that we have, but even the stuff that we didn't ask for, he's, he's given us and we're supposed to mirror those qualities with our spouse. So I think that's good. Anyway, what else you got to say about kindness, my love? Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it ties. So it makes me think of the love and respect thing, right? Um, as a man, as a husband, I'm called to love you like uh, Christ loved the, the church. And as a woman, as my wife, you're called to respect me. And the, to tie patience and kindness together, uh, it's sometimes it's a struggle. Like when we're, you know, bumping heads, that for me to be <clears throat> extra loving and kind and patient, and even though sometimes I'm like, no, I am right, hmm. she is wrong. You know, we'll talk about, you know, love does not uh, keep score. I forget how it said. Uh -huh. um, we'll talk about that later. But part of that kindness and patience suffering long is I take, you know, that, that higher road and reconnect with you to, to, to squash it. Um, sometimes it's like, no, I want to just be like, you apologize first. You were wrong, but yeah. you know, that's, you know, I, I, that's sometimes, sometimes it's a battle and that's why sometimes it takes me a little bit longer to come back, but, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's definitely one of those things, guys, sometimes you just got to go grab your wife up, yeah, kiss her. Hey baby, I'm sorry. You know, that's it. can you forgive me? I was being unloving by how I said X, Y, Z. Yeah. Can you forgive me? And then I'll rip her, her defense walls right down and she's going to be much more likely to apologize. And then she's going to give you some respect, maybe a little something else. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's a different episode. Maybe. I don't so, know. <laughs> so when you were talking, I was thinking mm -hmm. about a few things too. Um, first, again, I, I can never, I'm not good with citing scripture, but in the Bible, it says that you're supposed to pray for exactly what you need. So you want to avoid being ambiguous and vague altogether. And so if you are struggling with being kind in any given moment, you can literally say, God, please help me yeah. with kindness. Allow me to be kind the way that you're kind to me. And I heard, I was listening to a sermon the other day and it really made me think about my prayer life because what he was essentially saying is he was like, if you leave that prayer feeling just as bad as you felt when you entered into it, you got to keep praying. Mm -hmm. Like That's if true. you're, if you're asking for kindness and you still feel this spirit of anger or hate or whatever it is, like you gotta, you gotta keep praying. You stay fixing your eyes on God until you feel like he has changed your heart softened your heart in some way. That's good. And so I need to, I need to do better about that too. But, um, 
The other thing too is the reason why I didn't really cite any hard scriptures that reference kindness is because every, like the 250 that I found, I think it was something stupid like that. Almost every way that God references kindness is either God giving kindness or somebody giving kindness to somebody where it's undeserving. Yeah. Right. Like people do some bad mumbo jumbo, whatever they do, they don't deserve it at all. And you're to give kindness to them regardless. And again, it's such a mirror representation of what God gives to us, which is grace and mercy and all of that stuff. And that's what you're supposed to do in your relationship is give kindness even when you don't want to. And to do that, it ties back to that whole prayer thing. If you feel like what you shouldn't be able to do anyway with your own human will, you can't will yourself to be kind. You need to pray and you need to humble yourself before God, who's the one that gives you the ability to be able to do that stuff anyway. So that's good. That's good. <clears throat> there were some research studies that looked at Yay, this. So exciting. False favorite part. There was a study that looked at 175 newlywed husbands and wives that were married for an average of seven months. And for two weeks, the people that were in this study were supposed to write down any instances in which either they or their partner were to put aside their own personal needs, desires, wants in order to meet their partner's needs. So it was basically like they were writing down any time that they humbled themselves, mm -hmm. made themselves lower to elevate their partner. And they then recorded their own daily emotional states. So what they ended up doing, I think, is in some way related their emotional, current emotional state to how much they were able to put another person first, be kind to another person. Yeah. So on average, the participants reported giving um, 065 compassionate acts per day. So on average, less than one compassionate act per day and receiving 0.59 such acts. So they reported giving slightly more of these. My partner is more elevated than I am acts than they received. Well, yeah, I think you're less likely to take account for someone, some of the ones you're receiving, because sometimes they can be really simple. That's true. Instead of like a grand gesture, like, oh, here's some flowers. That's true. You know what I mean? That's very true. <clears throat> yeah. And stuff, sometimes you get into daily monotony and you're like, you don't, you don't recognize some yeah. of the stuff. That's true. So they reported that some of these, these things included changing personal plans for their partner's sake, expressing tenderness or gratitude, simply doing something thoughtful, like cleaning snow off of a, a spouse's car before work. So right. So like I said, like I was saying, those are some of the like kind of bigger things as opposed to some mm -hmm. of the smaller things that are probably missed. Yeah, exactly. So the researchers assume that the couples would get the most benefits when these, these acts were recognized and acknowledged. And they ended up seeing that that was true. So when, if I were to do something kind for Paul, if I were to put Paul ahead of me, if Paul were to say, babe, I saw you do that. And I really appreciate that. I then get my, my emotional state is much better. So when it's recognized, my emotional state is much better. 
However, they also found that the givers of uh, this, this level of humility reported emotional boosts, even when their actions weren't consciously noted, noticed. Mm -hmm. So in this case, emotional benefits for the person that was giving this yeah. level of humility were about 45% greater than the benefits for the recipient. Can you imagine that? So like, if I, if I make you your lunch, I put together your lunch in the morning or something like that, my emotional benefit from doing that is 45% greater than your emotional benefit from benefit from receiving right. me making you your lunch. That's good. Like you should still do it. <laughs> so you actually haven't done that in a while. I know we've had a weird schedule. I normally do, <laughs> but I'll be patient. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> He said, I haven't made his lunch in a while, but he's going to have to be patient. He's just going to be oh, patient. Yeah. Wow. He's so funny. <laughs> a little humble ball. <laughs> but I think, I think that's so important because sometimes, honestly, sometimes I feel like I have to will myself to do those things, especially when I'm in those work hard, I'm so focused modes. But this goes to show, this research goes to show that if you are to do that, your emotional state is amplified. And I think part of that, especially as a woman, is the nurturing aspect of it. God's made us to be nurturers. And so we receive emotional satisfaction when we're able to care for the people that are he put in our life. Yeah. And so I think I think that's good. Well, and, and I think for anybody, it, you're going to feel good when you're doing something good for somebody else. And even if it's you know, like I was talking earlier, like you're doing it because you got to take the high road, you know, in that moment, I'm like, I don't want to be the one to squash this because I was right. Yeah. <laughs> Still, you know, after you suck that up and just do it, you know, be the man about it uh, and just, you know, go to, go to you and I'm, Hey babe, sorry. Once I initiate that, like that feeling of like, oh, no, she was wrong. Like it just goes away. Mm -hmm. And um, that kindness prevails. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like God knew what he was doing. Yeah. And it is true because in you apologizing first, take some strength and you're putting me ahead of you. And in doing that, you get this immediate satisfaction uh yeah that's a perfect example yeah. okay babe okay. <clears throat> another study that i found showed that kindness is the most important predictor of satisfaction and stability in marriage mm -hmm. because when you're kind again when you're putting the other person ahead of you when you're being selfless it makes your partner feel cared for understood and validated they feel loved and so if you can, if you can do that, obviously, I mean, satisfaction, I think is a given, right? Like if you, if your partner feels like they're, they're cared for, they're going to be satisfied with the relationship. Yeah. And stability makes sense too, where if you're, at least if you're doing that consistently, and especially if you're being kind in hard moments, like we're called to do your relationship stability is going to be pretty level. So, 
So I think that's good. Just a few studies there. Um, practical application. I, and I like to think about this too, because some of these actions that we're called to do can also in some way be personality traits that come natural to people, right? Like in this kindness thing, sometimes I'm, I'm sure all of you and you too, Paul can probably pick somebody out in your head that you just know is kind, that they're just in, inherently a kind person. It comes natural to them and it's a fixed trait. So either you have it or you don't. And on the other hand, you know, people that like absolutely aren't kind. They're in, they're in a bone in their body that has kindness. Yeah. And you could probably see that and be like, I mean, if you don't have it, you don't have it. But I really do think that kindness can be practiced. And oh, for you, sure. you can kind of think about it like it's a muscle. And in some people, some people got bigger muscles than others. Some people have to work on it over and over again. And masters of kindness tend to think of it as a muscle because they know that if they keep exercising kindness, if they do it with reps and they keep doing it and they keep doing it, they know that their relationship is going to be sustained. And they're willing to put in that hard work to do that. They're willing to humble themselves, like you said, to apologize first and to do all this stuff. And at the end of the day, it creates a a culture within your family, you know, within your marriage of kindness. Like I know that again, sometimes I even, I see your spiritual maturity and your kindness, like in apologizing early. And I'm like, I feel like I need to do that same thing and not for a competitive thing, but because I see, I see, um, Jesus reflected in you. I really do. And it's like, gosh, what am I doing that I'm not being like Jesus? And I need to, keep working on that. So you are creating this culture of kindness in our marriage by doing things like apologizing early and, and, and then in return, it's growing me and growing our marriage. Yeah. So we're working kindness, like a muscle. <clears throat> we're both Scary. getting stronger at it. And then doing that, you know, the big hope and the thing that we want out of this is to be a beacon for other couples and we're talking a lot about marriage but it's you know couples hope, hoping to go into marriage right like that's the ultimate goal is to have a good godly marriage and that kindness and starting some of these things early can really uh, set you up for success yeah i think so too so what's um, some of your main takeaways from kindness? Um, it's definitely something that I need to continue to work on. I think I do pretty well amongst us in our relationship, and I think I need to be better about it outwardly to others. Mm. Um, not so much. It's to the people I don't know. And... Uh, just going back to that study you were talking about how it gives the giver of the kindness more gratification than the receiver. Mm -hmm. You know, that could elevate my mental stability, which would just, you know, giving that to, to random people, which will just help benefit our, 
our marriage so much more because it'll just continue to have me in a, in a good mood and, you know, feeling fulfilled. Mm. And that's something I think I need to work on there. Um, what about you? I think, I think I keep coming back to this idea of all of these things are actions, which means you're deciding or you're not deciding to do the action. Right. And if we're called to do these actions, we need to be deciding that we're going to do these actions. <clears throat> and that is the hardest thing for me. But in those circumstances, I need to recognize that this is a choice. And if I'm not making a choice to be kind, I'm making a choice to not be kind, which means I'm making a choice to literally disobey God. Yeah. And... Sometimes if you put weight on it like that, it's convicting enough, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully convicting enough to make you want to be better. And so choosing to be patient, choosing kindness, yeah. and choosing to act in those ways, I think yeah. is probably the most important takeaway for me. That's good. That's good. Well, um, I think we did good. Hopefully, we didn't have any technical difficulties this time, and uh, hopefully, I don't sound like Kermit or something weird, but um, pray us out, babe. Sure. Uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing me and Paul together to do this. Uh, I, know, I know we're led by you, for sure, and I'm confident in that pray that you'll help us continue. I thank you for all the ears that are listening to this podcast. I'm grateful to know that even if one person hears this and changes their action and their attitude toward you, then that's a success for us. So uh, I pray for that connection. I pray for every other connection. I pray for as many people as you see fit to hear this podcast and want to make those changes to benefit either their future marriage or their current marriage. And I pray that you'll help us all choose to act and choose to be suffering long, choose to be kind and know that that choice is only uh, not by our own will, but by the Holy Spirit working in us. And to have the Holy Spirit working in us, we need to be in relationship with you. So I pray that you'll call all of us to be in relationship with you so that we can end up looking like and acting like and choosing like Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So the next episode, y'all have a good one. God bless.